Episode 15. Mr. Weasley picked up the dusty kettle and peered inside it. We'll need water. There's a tap marked on this map the muggle gave us, said Ron, who had followed Harry inside the tent, and seemed completely unimpressed by its extraordinary inner proportions. It's on the other side of the field. Well, why don't you, Harry and Hermione, go and get us some water then? Mr. Weasley handed over the kettle and a couple of saucepans, and the rest of us will get some wood for a fire. But we've got an oven, said Ron. Why can't we just... Ron! Anti-muggle security, said Mr. Weasley, his face shining with anticipation. When real muggles camp, they cook on fires outdoors. I've seen them at it. After a quick tour of the girls' tent, which was slightly smaller than the boys, though without the smell of cats, Harry, Ron, and Hermione set off across the campsite with the kettle and saucepans. Now, with the sun newly risen and the mist lifting, they could see the city of tents that stretched in every direction. They made their way slowly through the rows, staring eagerly around. It was only just dawning on Harry how many witches and wizards there must be in the world. He'd never really thought much about those in other countries. Their fellow campers were starting to wake up. First, to stir were the families with small children. Harry had never seen witches and wizards this young before. A tiny boy, no older than two, was crouched outside a large pyramid-shaped tent, holding a wand and poking happily at a slug in the grass, which was swelling slowly to the size of a salami. As they drew level with him, his mother came hurrying out of the tent. How many times, Kevin, you don't touch Daddy's wand! She had trodden on the giant slug, which burst. Her scolding carried after them on the still air, mingling with the little boy's yells. You bust a slug! You bust a slug! A short way further on, they saw two little witches, barely older than Kevin, who were riding toy broomsticks which rose only high enough for the girl's toes to skim the dewy grass. A ministry wizard had already spotted them, As he hurried past Harry, Ron, and Hermione, he muttered distractedly, In broad daylight, parents having a lie-in, I suppose. Here and there, adult wizards and witches were emerging from their tents and starting to cook breakfast. Some, with furtive looks around them, conjured fires with their wands. Others were striking matches with dubious looks on their faces, as though sure this could not work. Three African wizards sat in serious conversation, all of them wearing long white robes and roasting what looked like a rabbit on a bright purple fire, while a group of middle-aged American witches sat gossiping happily beneath a spangled banner stretched between their tents which read, The Salem Witches Institute. Harry caught snatches of conversation in strange languages from the inside of the tents they passed, And though he couldn't understand a single word, the tone of every single voice was excited. "Eh, Is it my eyes or has everything gone green? said Ron. It wasn't just Ron's eyes. 
They had walked into a patch of tents that were all covered with a thick growth of shamrocks, so it looked as though small, oddly shaped hillocks had sprouted out of the earth. Grinning faces could be seen under those which had their flaps open. Then, from behind them, they heard their names. Harry! Ron! Hermione! It was Seamus Finnegan, their fellow Gryffindor fourth year. He was sitting in front of his own shamrock-covered tent with a sandy-haired woman who had to be his mother and his best friend, Dean Thomas, also of Gryffindor. Like the decorations, said Seamus, grinning, when Harry, Ron, and Hermione had gone over to say hello. The ministry's not too happy. And why shouldn't we show our colors, said Mrs. Finnegan. You should see what the Bulgarians have got dangling all over their tents. You'll be support in Ireland, of course, she added, eyeing Harry, Ron, and Hermione beadily. When they had assured her they were indeed supporting Ireland, they set off again. Though, as Ron said, like we'd say anything else surrounded by that lot. I wonder what the Bulgarians have got dangling all over their tents, said Hermione. Let's go and have a look, said Harry, pointing to a large patch of tents upfield, where the Bulgarian flag, red, green, and white, was fluttering in the breeze. The tents here had not been bedecked with plant life, but each and every one of them had the same poster attached to it, a poster of a very surly face with heavy black eyebrows. The picture was, of course, moving, but all it did was blink and scowl. Crumb, said Ron quietly. What? said Hermione. Crumb, said Ron. Victor Crumb, the Bulgarian seeker. He looks really grumpy, said Hermione, looking around at the many crumbs blinking and scowling at them. Really grumpy? Ron raised his eyes to the heavens. Who cares what he looks like? He's unbelievable. He's really young, too. Only just 18 or something. He's a genius. You wait until tonight. You see. There was already a small queue for the tap in the corner of the field. Ron and Hermione joined it, right behind a pair of men who were having a heated argument. One of them was a very old wizard who was wearing a long, flowery nightgown. The other was clearly a ministry wizard. He was holding out a pair of pinstripe trousers and almost crying with exasperation. Just put them on, Archie. There's a good chap. You can't walk around like that. The muggle on the gate's already getting suspicious. I bought this in a muggle shop, said the old wizard stubbornly. Muggles wear them. Muggle women wear them, Archie, not the men. They wear these, said the ministry wizard, and he brandished the pinstripe trousers. I'm not putting them on, said old Archie in indignation. I like a healthy breeze round my privates, thanks. Hermione was overcome with such a strong fit of the giggles at this point that she had to duck out of the queue and only returned when Archie had collected his water and moved away again. Walking more slowly now because of the weight of the water, they made their way back through the campsite. Here and there they saw more familiar faces, other Hogwarts students with their families. Oliver Wood, the old captain of Harry's house Quidditch team, who had just left Hogwarts, 
dragged Harry over to his parents' tent to introduce him and told him excitedly that he had just been signed to the Puddlemere United Reserve Team. Next, they were hailed by Ernie McMillan, a Hufflepuff fourth year, and a little further on they saw Cho Chang, a very pretty girl who played seeker on the Ravenclaw team. She waved and smiled at Harry, who slopped quite a lot of water down his front as he waved back. More to stop Ron smirking than anything, Harry hurriedly pointed out a large group of teenagers whom he had never seen before. Who do you reckon they are, he said. They don't go to Hogwarts, do they? Spect they go to some foreign school, said Ron. I know there are others. Never met anyone who went to one now. Bill had a pen friend at a school in Brazil. This was years and years ago. And he wanted to go on an exchange trip, but Mum and Dad couldn't afford it. His pen friend got all offended when he said he wasn't going and sent him a cursed hat. It made his ears shrivel up. Harry laughed, but did not voice the amazement he felt at hearing about other wizarding schools. He supposed, now he saw representatives of so many nationalities in the campsite, that he had been stupid never to realize that Hogwarts could not be the only one. He glanced at Hermione, who looked utterly unsurprised by the information. No doubt she had run across the news about other wizarding schools in some book or other.